Ooh, baby, baby. Hey, 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 and welcome back to another episode of A Tiny Revolution. My name is Kevin Miguel Garcia. I'm your host, and this is another episode of A Tiny Revolution, which I already told you, but I wanted to tell you again in case you forgot, because, you know, sometimes COVID, ADD brain, it really gets to you, huh? Anyways, hi. How you been? How's it going? Um, I am learning I need help getting my work done these days, and so... I'm kind of in the process of possibly looking to hire a social media manager to help me out. So if that's you and you're interested um, on my page or my Facebook or somewhere, just look at my social media somewhere. Maybe my link tree. I'm going to be creating a job posting just like 10 to 15 hours a month, possibly less, um, just around helping me get a few things done here and there that I don't want to do. It's really to help me manage... um, my shit a little bit better because again I'm having trouble keeping track of stuff so if that's you if that's interesting to you um hit me up I'd love to talk with you um but through the application that I'm gonna put online hit me up that way don't slide into my dms that's a lot to handle anyways I love you how's it going you doing okay sweet I have finally concluded the saga with my car I want to say a huge thank you to everybody who threw me some coins recently Um, especially there's one human out there who, uh, threw me a whole G dead ass. And, uh, thank you to all the humans out there who, um, who helped me out. You guys really saved my ass. And I was able to buy a car that actually is not going to fall apart. Like I'm probably going to be able to drive it for at least five, six, seven years. Um, and that's because of your generosity. So thank you for helping. You guys are incredible humans. I'm so blessed to to have you. Um, anyways, uh, let's go ahead and just dive in. Um, so the thing about me and like I mentioned on the last podcast is my depression brain over the past year has been wiling the fuck out. And so a lot of these conversations that I've had here on the podcast have um, TBH like um, are from like months and months and months ago because... I would have these conversations and then just, I couldn't do it for whatever reason, but we're doing it now. We're getting through it now. So you know what? Shame off me and my depression. It was just hard, but now we're here and we're moving forward. We are Britney Spears stronger than yesterday. You know what I'm saying? Ugh. I mean, ever since the election results came in, I've just got to say my mood has gone up. In the comments below, tell me how your mood is. Anyways, you want to know who's on the podcast today? I'm going to fucking tell you who's on the podcast today. It's my girl, Kristen Howerton. Kristen Howerton is a licensed marriage and family therapist and the mother of four children within four years via birth and adoption. She is the founder of the blog Rage Against the Minivan, where in the midst of writing about raw emotions and experiences of motherhood, she became a fierce advocate for social justice. Kristen has created several popular humor destinations online, including the popular Pinterest Are You Drunk and the hashtag parent ass or hashtag asshole parent meme and Instagram account. Kristen is the co-host of the podcast called Selfie, which is dedicated to exploring mind, body, and spirit in all aspects of self-care. And I was actually on that podcast a long way back, which is like why I feel very, you know what? Get the guilt off yourself, Kevin. It's not that big a deal. It's just a podcast. See, this is how we coach ourselves in real time, guys. Um, and I literally talk to myself like this all the fucking time. So anyways, um, Kristen is also the author of the book Rage Against the Minivan, which is available everywhere now. And we're going to be talking about it. And I should have put this out ages ago. And so again, I'm sorry that I had depression and I'm sorry that I couldn't get it out on time, Kristen. By the way, the podcast is, the conversation is delicious and I know that you're going to enjoy it. So please grab yourself something warm and cozy, maybe a hot toddy. That's what I've been fancying recently. Some mulled wine, um, or some cider, IDK. Ooh, I'm gonna go get some fucking cider today, y'all. It's the, ooh, Jesus, mm-hmm. That just, I'm, I'm about to bless myself. What are you gonna bless yourself with? Let me know in the comments what you're drinking as we talk to my good Judy, Kristen Howerton. Uh, how are you doing? How are you feeling? As well as can be expected, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm okay. I mean, I did like, you know, you were like, are you like, do you need to stop? Like, I think I just needed today to be like a normal work day, if that cool. makes any sense. Like, yeah, for sure. 
but but yeah, we we spent the last two days at protests, which you know I will say. Those gave me a lot of hope. Like mm-hmm. so many people turning up, people that I know would never right. have been involved in any kind of racial justice stuff a week ago. Yeah. So it's not nothing. It's not I nothing. Think. It's not nothing. Yeah. And you got to take the slivers of hope where you can because it's a shit show, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, like the alternative to lose hope is much more exhausting in yeah. my estimation. So I think. I mean, that's the... not to say that I haven't attempted to put an application in for immigration to New Zealand, but, 100. you know, <laughs> um, I have my eyes on Canada right now. I'm working on getting my um, passport redone. Got a couple of friends up there and I'm just like, listen, can do you guys have green cards up there? Will you right. marry? Who, who like, can I I'll, marry? I'm like, I love everybody. I'm polyamorous yeah. now. You know, we're open. Yeah. We're ready for all types of things. <laughs> who, who wants you, to legalize with me? <laughs> who wants to le- Who wants to make an honest woman out of me? Is really <laughs> That's what I'm looking for. Exactly. Yeah. So I, uh, you've got, um, you know, to, I know the word world is burning down. And also we are people who are still making things on and doing things and trying to promote shit. So I would, well, first off, you've been on the podcast before. Have you been on my podcast before? Dude, I don't think so. I don't think I have. Oh my God. I think you've been been on on mine. You've been on mine. I don't think I've been on yours. And so now, like, you're really taking your career to the next level by stepping into this D-list celebrity <laughs> podcast. Whatever. You have a beloved audience. I, this is something I'm learning to own a little bit more. It still feels a little weird. I'm just like, it's, you know, that point in, um, uh, in Prince of Egypt when the two priests are like, you're playing with the big boys now. Yeah. Yes. That is what yes. it feels like. I'm like, I'm creeping in. I'm like, am I welcome here? Yeah. I don't know. Um, but anyways, I am learning to own that. So I received that. Thank you. Yeah. But you, Kristen Howerton, if people didn't know who you was, um, what you're about, what your life's been like, you know, what was like, I always say like, you're at a cocktail party and it's like full of really cool people, not like the people you got to be afraid of. Like, um, <laughs> and they say like, hey, you look interesting. Like, what do you do? And like, what do you typically say? Well, if it was someone, I, I'll tell you this, to be honest, I don't usually tell people I'm a writer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I don't know. I think it's a holdover from when I was a therapist. Because you tell somebody on a plane that you're a therapist. Oh, God. And you're going to be talking about their divorce. Mm-hmm. in 10 seconds flat um yeah. but no i mean if it was someone that i that seemed safe i would i guess i would describe myself as a writer which is still kind of weird it's mm-hmm. still kind of surreal to say like i wrote a book mm-hmm. i wrote a book and it's good and i like it <laughs> <laughs> thank you so um you wrote this book rage against the minivan coming out june 9th which is literally right around the corner how does it feel in this moment, <laughs> given it's a, birth? It's a weird moment to be putting a book out into the world. It's a mm-hmm. weird moment. I mean, I, you know, it's, it's so, it's weird on so many levels. I mean, it's mm-hmm. weird for me. I wrote a blog for 15 years, had many people say, write a book, write a book. And I was like, I don't think I can do that. So it was a, you know, it was a big deal for me to actually finish a book. Right. Um, but, you know, I mean, who would have thought 2020 would look as it does when we're in the yeah. middle of a pandemic still and we're right. in, in the middle of a crisis of racial justice and we are in the middle of just government shit show. Can I cuss on mm. your show? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's a fucking mess, Kevin. Yeah. It's a huge fucking mess. Yeah. It's a dumpster fire shit show. Yeah. Jesus, take the wheel last year, please. It is. So, yeah. I mean, so it's a little weird to be popping out my humor memoir in the middle of all of this. But, I, I, you know, you know me. I mean, I did have to wade into, I do have a a surprise chapter on white privilege in my mommy memoir. Mm. Um, Because, you know, that's how you have to bring that to a lot of people. It's kind of like when you're feeding a toddler and you pretend the spoon is an airplane. It's like whatever gets the vegetable in their mouth. Absolutely. Yep. So, 
you know, it's like it's, you, you guys might not listen to me like talk about systemic racism, but if I no. show you a meme that explains it, maybe totally. you will. LOL, just a funny mommy book. But then now we're going to talk about LGBT rights and white privilege. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's that's always been my my tactic. Just sneak like you, we really have to sneak it in on them. You do. It's almost like it's almost just like you have to get like you have to incept them with the idea. Yeah. Like, I know, like, for my mom, I, like, there's so many times I'm just like, Mom, do you think that maybe it would be a good idea for you to be a part of, like, a parent support network for queer kids? Because other queer parents don't know how to support their queer kids, but you do? Right. Like, you have it down, but you could maybe join. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So tell me about um, Rage Against the Minivan. What is it about? It's a humor memoir. What are you covering? What's the... What's the What's the thing you wanted to do with it? Yeah, I mean, I think that I wanted to write about my journey as a mom because I, and you know what, it's not just really my journey as a mom. I think it's a little bit my journey as a person. But if you're a mother Mm -hmm. with children on the internet, you know, marketing wise, you're a mommy blogger. But um, I mean, I think I wanted to talk about the experiences I have been through and kind of what I came to in terms of needing to learn to let go of outcomes, Mm. needing to learn that life often doesn't go according to plan, which most of us know, but mine really didn't. Mine really didn't. And it, and it particularly, it didn't go according to plan around having children. You know, I, Mm -hmm. I was raised in the church. I was raised that, you know, the ultimate goal in life is just to get married and be a mom. And I got Mm -hmm. married way too young. Um, classic classic evangelical stuff you know as as you do you know you Mm -hmm. go to bible college snag a husband before you graduate get that mrs by spring baby go on and get married before you've ever lived on your own that's a good idea just go ahead and marry someone who still lives in a dorm that's a fantastic idea that you've never seen how they live on their own it's a, it's a it's a time. It's a time. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, this is totally normal. This is fine. And we're just like, 10 years later, we're like, oh, my God, wow. We've uh, come a long way, baby. But you know what? Actually, to, to segue into um, one of the themes of your book, which mm. is Bad Theology Kills, and, you know, didn't kill me, but listen, mm. real talk, and I talk about this in the book, the reason that I got married so young, mm. one of the reasons, not the only reason, is that I had a lot of shame around mm-hmm. my sexual past. And I'm saying that mm-hmm. with air quotes. Yeah. Um, I was a little wild child in high school, came back to the Lord, as we say, rededicated, as we rededicated. Rededicate your life every Tuesday and Walk, Wednesday. Walked up the aisle um, to um, a hymn, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> and I went to Bible college to try to redeem myself, if that makes sense. Like I I -hmm. wanted to get away from the party crowd and I wanted to meet a good Christian boy who was going to be a pastor. And I really went to Bible college feeling like I was damaged goods, you know, because Mm. I had, you know, I was the chewed up piece of chewing gum. Yeah. You were the flower that had all of its petals pricked out. Yeah. Because I had sex with one person in high school, Mm. you know, just so awful. And so I went to Bible college, honestly feeling like, well, I just hope I can find a guy who can accept me. Right. Who will, you know, be able to forgive me for not being a virgin. Mm -hmm. And I truly thought that way. And so I think, you know, when you are choosing a partner and you think of yourself as a piece of shit or damaged Mm -hmm. or in need of salvation, or forgiveness for things you yeah. did before you met a partner. Yeah, I don't think you're gonna make good choices. Yeah, because it sounds like you're like you're making these decisions from a place of guilt and shame and just Deep like shame. And this is gonna be like the person who's gonna kind of be God's proof that yes, I am whole. I'm yes. held and I am healed from my sins. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I I tell that story in my book. For me to marry a pastor was like an outward redemption. Like, I mean, who can mm. think I'm bad now? Because outwardly now I'm a pastor's wife. Like it is the yeah. ultimate optic 
And also Mm. in my immaturity, and this was a huge theme in the book too, is that I just was kind of raised that optics are reality. So if you can make something look away, then it's away. And I spent a lot of time making my life look away, you know, Mm -hmm. look, look a certain way, um, get that Christmas card photo, get, you know, metaphorically, uh, but also literally. so hard. The Christmas photo every single year with the accompanying letter that oh. like, that was my family. We talked about oh, all yeah. of our triumphs every year. Oh, Even gosh. though I'm just like, I'm in, I'm like, I'm in 10th grade. What have I done? Honestly. Well, they're going to brag about it in that Christmas letter, whatever it yeah. is. Oof. But yeah, Same. I get that. Yeah. But I was that mom. I was that mm. mom also. You know, just really trying to make my optics match what I wanted instead of making my inner life match what I wanted. Mm. Um, that was a hard that was a hard journey for me. So, you know, that is kind what of what the book life, is about. Is that what journey. did your inner life feel like at that time? I don't know that I can even identify it because I was so disassociated from it. I ah, think it felt yeah. frantic. I think it felt performative. Um, I think I felt for a long time like I was tap dancing. Mm. Everything's fine. Look at me. Nothing to see here. My marriage is fine. I'm a pastor's wife. Yeah. What was the what was the thing that that turned for you? Like what made you say, like, there's something that's not right here? Um, Hardship, honestly. Mm. Um, Hardship. When the when the bill of goods that I was sold didn't didn't pan out when I was Mm -hmm. a good Christian girl and a pastor's wife. And then I wanted to get pregnant and it didn't happen. And then Mm -hmm. I got pregnant and I wanted to keep that baby. And I prayed with faith, Kevin, prayed Mm -hmm. with faith. And then and then I lost that pregnancy and then I lost the next one and I lost the next one. And I had so many well-meaning Christians in my ear. You just got to have more faith. You just got to have more. You got to have, you got to trust God on this. Um, and recognizing, which, which is actually a good thing to recognize. It's, there's, there's, Mm -hmm. it's actually a gift to recognize that God is not gone in our pain. Like maybe Mm -hmm. he's actually there, but that, but that Christianity isn't like a get out of hardship free pass Mm -hmm. that we're not promised like an easy life because we're doing the right things. Mm Mm-hmm. And that was like kind of like what I think we both grew up with was just like if you do the right things you get rewarded. That's yeah. how this works. Oh, for it's sure. Been, like both like in life, like I think we it's like, you know, we capitalism ascribed itself right on top of our spirituality because it's just like if I do this, God will mm-hmm. do this because that's yes. how it works. Those are all the yep. rules. Token economy. If, yeah. Yeah. And if I am not getting the thing I want, then I'm I must be the problem. It yeah. always came back to like, it must be something wrong. I did something wrong in my past that God is punishing oh, totally. me for now. Yeah. Or like there's some yeah. secret sin in the camp. Like I blamed. Oh my gosh. Like when, when I was younger, I blamed myself for my parents' divorce because I was the one who let homosexuality into <sighs> our home. Kevin, like, that makes me so sad. Me too. Cause like my dad was just an asshole. It wasn't, it wasn't definitely wasn't my fault. Yeah. But it's, it's wild how much like the church it doesn't entertain the questions and it can't because just like it doesn't know what to do with questions yeah it's so true it's so true that we don't know what to do with questions and I feel like um, you know what I experienced was Christians we we really like a a redemption story we like the campfire story where the guy gets up and he was on drugs living in a van down by the river and then Jesus Mm-hmm. And now he's fine. And we don't really know. I didn't know. I didn't know mm-hmm. how to live in the messy middle. Mm. Which is really, yeah. I, I don't, I, I don't, I've still not had a pretty bow on any of the hard things that have happened to me. I'm still just in a constant state of messy middle. And I think that's the, pra- I was, this is something I talked to with my clients about. I'm just like, y'all, this is the work. This is the practice yeah. of recognizing. It's not so much to like, you know, have a faith system for you so you can avoid hardship because like suffering just is. We live in a world where people are making choices and unfortunately we are going to be affected by many of those choices. And if you have any sort of, you know, marginalized identity, 
you know, you're definitely going to be affected by people's choices. And so, like, you know, I think the work of spirituality um, is to, you know, what do I do with the suffering? What do I do? Like, how do I reframe my mind from this concept of like, God owes me something to like, God's always been with me. Yes, completely. Mm. And how can I reframe it from, you know, God gives me things to God offers comfort and presence. Mm -hmm. You know, that's been a big one for me. And, and to just recognize and to honestly recognize my own privilege in thinking that I should have an easy life. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. Right, I mean, I right, do right. think that I think that it's a privilege to grow up in such a way that you can get to 18 or 20 or 25 and still think like, yeah, I don't think I'm really going to have anything really hard happen because nothing mm. hard has happened yet. You know, right. Like that. That's a pretty privileged place. I mean, I think that it's a little bit unique to white Christian culture because we're able to live in such privilege that we you know, we haven't mm-hmm. encountered really, really difficult things in our childhood. Mm-hmm. Some, some of us haven't. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the reason why I'm never really surprised when Christians don't understand what's going on in the world or you say black lives matter. They say, well, all lives matter. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. and it's one of those things where like, I look at my mother, my mother is, you know, a nominal, like, you know, nominally Christian and thank God she doesn't listen to this podcast because she's often been a teaching moment. Oh my God, Jesus, <laughs> redeem me. Um, but it's one of those things where it's just like, my mother is in the same circles all the time. She she might not watch Fox News, but all of her friends do. So it's, you're right. It's like so many folks are just sheltered from any experience outside of this you know, hashtag blessed and highly favored. Yeah. And it's there, it is reward. Like you are rewarded for not asking questions and you are punished if you do. And so it makes so much sense that people are afraid or either, either like afraid to ask the question because they don't want to lose what they have or B they don't, they're so comfortable. The system makes them so comfortable. And like, that's what the system wants to do. Makes them comfortable and lulls them into a stupor. So they can't see what's going on. Well, and isn't that fundamentalism at its core is that Mm -hmm. you don't have to think the answers are supplied to you and it's just all about protecting the answers, what you think the right answers are versus critical thinking or, Mm -hmm. you know, looking at things from, you know, (laughs) allowing for nuance, things like that. Um, It's very uncomfortable to... Think for yourself instead of following a rote set of answers. Mm-hmm. Do you, so you said something, or like, you do you still identify as a Christian? I do. And that, see, this is something I'm still trying to figure out for myself, because I'm so curious. I'm like, well, what does it mean to be a Christian, right? Yeah, now? I know, right? Because. We have to, it's either like we really do have to start differentiating between like white neo-fascist religion of Christianity and actual Christianity. So if we're going to, it's either like I need to reject this label or we need to seriously reject what's happening in larger political culture. Yeah, completely. And it's interesting because I feel like initially I felt that around the word evangelical. And so... I, you know, I came to that crossroads of I can either stay in this evangelical camp and be and be one of them and say, but I'm in here and I denounce mm-hmm. or I can move out of it. And I I for in that ended up moving out. Right. Because mm-hmm. I just felt like we're just incompatible at this point. Like, mm-hmm. but with the you know, with the Christian thing, I still feel like I still want to be in the camp. You know, I still mm-hmm. I still do consider myself a Christian, but it is it, it does get more and more difficult to feel like, wow, like this identifier um, mm-hmm. is so misrepresenting me. But the reason I'm still in the camp is that I think it's misrepresenting Christ. That's why mm-hmm. I'm still here. Right. Because I think it's a bastardization of the whole thing. Say it. And I think you're right, too. And I am so, I'm so, there is, um, 
I just finished up my master's in practical theology, mm-hmm. so I'm very smart and holy now and shit. Um, but like the thing that I'm so curious about is it's like this weird, I hate this question, like the where do we go from here question of on the other side of the elections this fall, God willing, we have elections. So I I wonder like what the future of our faith is going to start looking like, because for me, like I have been so cute. Like I, you know, we like, we already like see now, and this is something my friend George said, was that we see that the Sunday service has been deemed a non-essential service. Yeah. And we're learning what it is to be the church, you know, on a Zoom call or be the church like within smaller pockets, within community, checking in on one another, providing for each other's needs. And and so I really look at like these pla- these places and spaces and people I come in contact with who like are desperate for like some kind of spirituality and really like Jesus. Yeah. But don't want anything to do with what the church has been doing for the past, you know, two millennia. Totally. I mean, that's, you're describing me exactly, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of, that's what birthed us doing beer and hymns was like, I want a different space. Like mm-hmm. I need it to be really different from the church, like in a bar, not affiliated, no proselytizing, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. That. So tell me a little bit more about Beer and Hymns, because like I know every single summer, and also I'm so sad Wild Goose isn't happening because I know I don't know like that like for me has marked the beginning of my year. Yeah, right. Like I always just like celebrate the beginning of my year in the summertime because like this feels like such a huge party. Um, but like Beer and Hymns in your own town, um, what's that like? Yeah, it's um, it's really beautiful. I mean, we. We started doing it here as kind of like a, well, you know, what's funny is I first learned about beer and hymns at Wild Goose. And I remember Mm -hmm. standing there going like, oh my gosh, I wish we had this where I lived. I wish we Mm -hmm. had this where, where I live. And then it's like, oh, I guess you have to do it. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. like that, if I want it, I'll have to make it. And so I know that feeling, you know, and so reached out to a couple friends and we kind of put this ragtag team together and the response was just so overwhelming. I mean, I think it just really met a need. Um, Mm -hmm. and so, yeah, we have gatherings. Um, I mean, we started at like pubs and breweries and then it grew to the point where we kind of were at more of like a, concert venue but it's kind of a it's kind of an edgy concert venue I mean I'm actually Mm -hmm. continually surprised they let us have it there because you know I'm sure we Mm -hmm. ruin their street cred (laughs) 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 they don't announce us like they never they always put like their you know who they're having on their Instagram feed and like we're conspicuously absent (laughs) (laughs) can't imagine why I know like this is not our aesthetic for them. I'm just some, but hey, nice, nice of them though. It of is. It, it's actually. What you really great. need to do is you need to go up to them and ask them, "Are you ashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ? If you're not, you will put our name on that marquee right. outside." It's so funny. Like, listen, if you die tomorrow, do you know where you're gonna go? Right. I mean, have, yeah. Have you said the the prayer? Yeah. And then I give them the four spiritual laws pamphlets that I keep in my mm-hmm. purse. Mm-hmm. And then uh, with all eyes closed and hands raised, right? (laughs) That's my favorite one. It's like with all eyes closed and heads bowed. Just, just you want to make a decision for Jesus? Oh man! Oof, the good old times. Sorry if any any of y'all out there listening to this are triggered. My bad. Well, we do Uh, not do that at Beer and Hymns. We specifically do not. We don't. We don't pray. We don't tell everyone go to church. We sing songs. That's it. We Mm -hmm. sing some songs. And it's so interesting because, you know, you can watch people really having a spiritual experience. Mm -hmm. It's wild. And I think it's healing for a lot of people because I think those songs a lot of people were raised on, but there's so much cognitive dissonance and there's Mm -hmm. sense memory and there's nostalgia, but then there's hurt and pain and mm-hmm. to sing them, to kind of reclaim them in a new space, in a welcoming space, in a 
LGBT friendly space, you know, mm. it, I think it's really healing for a lot of people. I mean, that was my experience at the Wild Goose Festival the first time I did it. And it is like a little bit of it. It's a very interesting space to be in because like you said, we have these hymns that some of them we sing. It's like, you know, I, you know, anytime you sing about the blood, it gets a little bit weird. But at the same time, it's like when I first heard this, when I first learned about this, like this is what it meant to me. And it's, it has like, it's like there's an innocence yeah. that is almost that for me personally, I can reclaim. I know a lot of people will hear like certain hymns and it's just if they can't do it. Right. I get that. But I think you're right that for many of us who have lost that connection to our, you know, the faith of our youth, there is something so healing about being able to like stand around in a group of strangers and, you know, sing I'll Fly Away. Yeah. You know, totally. there's something about that that's just like singing. Singing is magic. I'm totally like. Nothing gets the energy heightened more than just singing in a group. It's just, I mean, it's... you, you know, we have that in common. <laughs> I'm, mm. I love the choirs. I love the theaters. I, I love corporate singing. I, yeah. I, and I miss that about church. I really do. Mm-hmm. It's something that I'm interested. I have this idea that I'm, I'm brewing in my head, like no idea if it'll actually work, but I hope it does. But I, I want to start, like, I'm hopefully going to own a house in Atlanta um, by the end of summer, if all goes well, according to my plans. That's exciting. I am very excited. But I want to, in my backyard, like, I want to build, like, a deck where we can all do yoga or have a fire pit or, like, you know, like, a dance party, whatever. But I want to have a space where, like, we start, you know, having, like, these circles. These circles of time where we come together, sing songs, maybe have a yoga practice, maybe talk about weird astrology stuff, maybe talk about new agey shit, maybe talk about Jesus, maybe talk about Mary Magdalene. Like, cause like for me, it's like Jesus is still so much my teacher, but like the way, the more I learn about ancient Christianity and how early Christianity, like the minorities of the faith were, how they were suppressed, how women were suppressed out of the church you know, when, when the Imperial church came to power and so much of that, like my learning these past few years has shown me that like, there is a way to do this in houses locally. There's a way to do it in a way that is authentic and connects people. And then there's also a way when we start building it out into the community, Mm -hmm. like there is a way to do this that doesn't, that won't get corrupted. And I think it's one of those things, um, our friends in AA, one mm-hmm. of the things they say at the beginning of every single meeting is like, uh, we do not accept money. The only contributions are voluntary. Yeah. You know? And I'm like, what would it be like for us to like create spiritual community where it's not run by money? Yes. What a concept. It's not, it's not yeah. an economic model, you know? Yeah, totally. And like you said, I mean, just smaller and self-led and you know, pushing away from all of the hierarchy that's inherent mm-hmm. in so many churches today. Mm-hmm. It would be a, it would be a dream. Yeah. I think, and it could happen. I think that's it is happening. Is- I totally think it is happening. Yeah, mm-hmm. I do slowly, but you know, and I think it's almost like, I think a lot of Christians who still identify as Christian need themselves to give permission for church to look really different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, that's the big thing is like my mama still get real mad at me because like, I mean, I go I go to church, um, you know, when we went to church, but like I have a church here in Atlanta that I'm a part of. And I wonder sometimes like the only reason I go to this church is because it's full of queer radicals and yeah. like, you know, the right kinds of humans. But even now, I sometimes wonder i'm just like if this church wasn't here we would still be a group of humans doing life together probably yeah and then it's like well then why are we holding on to this building then (laughs) it's like it's just i have it's i have a question and that's where like the edges of christianity get really wiggly right and really blurry 
But I think there is also something to that building and that tradition and the regularity. You know, it's like you're saying, it's like, would we still be meeting together? Like maybe you would, but maybe there's something, maybe there's a thread there that keeps things mm-hmm. together. Yeah. Mm. I don't know, I but know. I do like it. I think it. it's, um, I was talking to someone earlier today, like who she's like, I'm, I'm all out here. I'm like, I'm like I'm floating out here on the ocean of like faith and I just don't know mm-hmm. which way I'm going. I have found that like I'm so much more okay with feeling unmoored and just mm-hmm. floating. What's your experience been for for you like moving from like very strict evangelical world into waking up to the reality of the world we live in and who you are and what you want? Yeah, I think that it's been a real process and I think initially it was very uncomfortable. I think I felt scared and untethered and kind of like I was in a free fall because mm-hmm. you know when you're raised in fundamentalism you're also taught if you unravel one little piece of your faith the whole thing falls down. I mean we are yeah. taught that, you know that if if you don't believe every single word is inherent that inerrant then you know you don't believe any of it. Like you can't believe any of it if you don't believe all of it, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of a thing or if you you know if you don't take it all exactly literally then you know Um, And so to start to pick apart at some of that and to go, Mm -hmm. I don't feel like a guy was like literally swallowed by a whale or, you know, I I feel like maybe this is an allegory. Um, It it felt very scary for me, especially, you know, I had it. My dad was a theologian. Mm. And so, you know, this was we had a lot of sacred cows, you know, about theology and mm-hmm. to unpack some when of that. When you say sacred hard. cows, just for people who might not know what that means, what do you mean by that? Like you just, you got to, be- you have to believe certain things to be true mm-hmm. or you can't, you're, or you're not in the club, you know? Yeah. And so I mean, it's like you have to like worship this tenant uh, rather than yeah. anything else. And, and if you're, if you just even veer away from that, you're out. I mean, my, I was raised so fundy that we thought Catholics were all going to hell. Same. The Mary loving Catholics were yeah. not Christians. That's what my mama like, said. Not just Christians. They're going to burn in hell. Like, like I remember Ooh. having that discussion with my parents and my takeaway was my best friend is going to hell, mm. you know, and the Methodists even. Well, I was yeah. raised. I don't know what, I don't know what, little denomination you came up in, but I was raised that you were also going to hell if you weren't water baptized. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Water baptism was like, really? You too. Yeah. Cause it's a weird one. That's kind of a weird one. That's not typical. Yeah. Because like I was asking questions and cause I would get really hypothetical. I'd be like, okay, so like say that there is somebody on death row and they're being walked to their execution <laughs> and in the moment they accept Jesus Christ as their savior. Do they get saved? Yes. And I, and I would point to the cross and like, because homie on the cross said, remember me. And then yep. Jesus said, no worries, mate. I'll see you mm-hmm. on the other side. Mm-hmm. So it's like, so what does that mean? What That's does so it mean? Funny. Make it make sense. And like, I was like nine years old asking these questions and like, it's just like, well, you know, that that was like an exception. And like, you know, if Jesus was there, but like. Like Jesus you, like, you could know, grant it, but you don't, you know, you don't want to press your luck. Yeah. Unless get you're. Your ass in the, get your ass in the water. Oh, yeah. I mean, I remember going to church camp and, you know, taking, I mean, I was, and I was out to save all my friends because I thought that they were going to burn in hell forever. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I spent a lot of time in high school trying to convert people and, I remember at one church camp in particular, my friend Judy, she was going to get baptized finally so that, you know, finally. she would not be in the clutches of the devil for all of eternity. And she called her mom and her mom said no. And mm-hmm. I remember crying and being like, if we oh, get in a car accident on the way home from camp, Judy's going to go to hell. Like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> you poor soul. Oh, my goodness. I was just like, I was the same way, though. It's just like. Also, like, I wanted to get baptized at camp, and my mom said, no, you have to come home and get baptized at church. I'm just like, why does it matter? I was, I was one of those, like, what is to stop me from being baptized moments. 
That's like I felt so very, funny. I felt very indignant because I was a very pious kid. Yeah, but you know, your mom needed to get that photo op. Oh my god! And like the thing about it is, is like the baptismal waters of the church that we were in, like, which was like a, just a giant tub. Oh yeah. And then you get into it, and like I'm like all of like five foot nothing at the time, so like <laughs> you can see like my eyes right above the baptismal waters, and then I get dunked, and then it's like. All right, cool. Like you, we, you took a picture with a disposable camera, and it's so very funny. poor. And then so it's just like, funny. let's go to the Mexican restaurant because uh, we're gonna celebrate yep. you escaping the fires of hell with some cheese dip. Totally. <laughs> so wild. So yeah, it was um, a big deal. I mean, it was a big deal when this is how funny my family was. When I went to, I went to Bible college, and mm-hmm. then I ended up working at a mega church that did not serve communion every single week and that did not Mm. water baptize every week. Now, they would water baptize maybe once a year, um, Mm. but it wasn't like a condition of your salvation. And I remember my parents being so bummed and concerned that I was at a church that didn't water baptize for salvation. Oh... I, like I, we were con- like my mom my mom's big thing like whatever church we went to is just like we have to take communion every week yes that's the rules mm-hmm. for sure and I and for some reason like I don't know what it is about me like I don't care about taking communion every week yeah I don't if either. I'm not going to church yeah however comma like this is like I don't get why like it's like either like because like I don't understand the reasoning behind it if you're just doing it once a month like unless you're really going to do like some big liturgy around it maybe but for me like I was always under the impression like this is like this apparently is the most important thing mm-hmm. one of the most important acts in Jesus's life like though people like we went to one church and they're just like yeah we just don't want it to lose its meaning I'm just like you guys must not take Jesus very seriously because I, as a very pious Christian, take it very seriously all the time. Well, and then, I don't know about you, but my experience of taking communion growing up was that it was just an opportunity to sit in your own shame. And I... How bad you was. Oh, and and I was really good at self-flagellation. And so it's just like every single Sunday, me sitting there in church thinking about all the ways I sinned and all the ways I was terrible. It was just like a weekly shame fest. Wow. Like I'm just so glad that that's what communion came to mean for me, which I'm pretty sure is not what Jesus wanted. No, because like let me tell you, like for me, like communion has, uh, for me, was always... Even if nobody else accepts me, Jesus accepts me. Because mm. like, I always felt, because I was the weirdo growing up. Yeah. Um, and I always, like, since, like, at age nine, uh, I had, like, a weird metaphysical spiritual experience. And so, like, me and God have always been tight. Mm. And so, for me, like, that was always just, like, communion was just, like, this is for you. This is for you. And so, especially, like, Throughout my life, I just, I continually remember, like, that that's who sets the table. That, like, and that's also something that I think liberated my mind in so many ways uh, from a lot of, like, the really toxic theologies that we grew up with was remembering that Jesus, uh, Jesus is in charge. You know, if you, if you, like, quote unquote, Jesus is in charge in whatever metaphysical way that Jesus can be in charge. But, like, I think, like, the spirit of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, the love of Christ is all pointing towards welcome and liberation. Yes. And that, to me, is very appealing. It's very appealing. Yeah, it's... Go ahead. Well, but it's, like, it's wild because that's not the Jesus or the message that I grew up with. Mm -hmm. Not at all. Not at all. And I think, you know, when I when you ask like where are you at in your faith journey like I feel like there was this super uncomfortable unraveling but now I'm sitting in this place of what -hmm. feels like liberation and and what feels like freedom and love and Mm -hmm. you know it, it was so worth the journey through the darkness of kind of dismantling and reassembling yeah there and there was I can uh my thing that like I like 
<laughs> I remember when I said, I don't think that hell is real out loud for the first yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Like, it wasn't even the gay thing. It was like, it was like, what if hell's not real? What that's if God a, actually that's loves... That's a big sacred cow, though, for those of us raised in, you know, mm-hmm. conservative churches. That's a big, that's a big deal to say. Yeah, because it's unlike, then the question is like, well, what the hell have I been doing this whole time? But it, right. What, what did I save Judy from? <laughs> Yeah, what, and that's the thing, just like, you know, if I'm not saved from something. Right. And this is very interesting, like, because, like, we've all heard just, like, you're not saved from something, you're saved for something. You're saved for... <laughs> and I think that's true, like, sure, like, if... Uh, but the way I view salvation now is so much different. It's just, like, I'm saved from the small life. Yeah. I'm saved from having to be inauthentic. I'm saved from uh, mm. a system that would turn me into a product and turn other people into, you know, disposable pieces of flesh. Yeah. You know, so like, that's what I think of salvation. And then I think of salvation in terms of like, you know, the ancient prophets were talking about the salvation of the whole of Israel. And so I think of salvation of like, the whole of our culture. Yeah. You know, the whole of our people. And it's just like, salvation will look like liberation in real time. Yes. I love that. I think that that it's people like you and people like William Barber who like keep me holding on and tell you what. Oh, William Barber. I mean, I don't know that you can say my name in the same breath as his. He is like, (sighs) he's incredible. Everything, every word out of that guy's mouth is profound. It's like, and all he is doing is just like speaking facts. He's just like, you guys, he's like, do you guys know that we could change this? And I'm like, ah, you're right. I know. But it's, I, uh, I have, I'm like somebody who is like the obnoxious optimist. <laughs> you um, are, you are. I mean, in, in a good way. It's very endearing. Yeah. It's the, it's the best and the worst because it's like, it's an optimism that doesn't ignore suffering. Yes. I think. Yeah. And I think I'm just okay with like, for myself, like I've learned, I think the past two years have really taught me how to grieve and mm-hmm. grieve well and mm-hmm. let pain and sadness move through my body yeah. so that I can get back to a place of experiencing peace again. Because if I can remember what peace feels like, that's how I remember what God feels like. And that's what I try to return to. I love that. And I think that's what we're, we're doing. I think that's what you're doing. You're helping what I'm people trying. experience heaven on earth. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's, I don't, for me, it's just an every single day practice. Mm-hmm. What's your, if you don't mind me asking, like, what is your personal practice right now? Like around, like, do you have any spiritual practices like prayer or gathering or et cetera? Yeah. Um, I, I pray. Um, I meditate. Um, I, when I'm, when I'm doing well with my mm-hmm. both spiritual practice and self-care, um, for you. me, it really looks like getting outside because I feel mm-hmm. like that is where I really feel in touch with God. That mm-hmm. is where I kind of, and you know, to harken back to some of our biblical um, Bring it. Br- upbringing, you know, it's just recognizing how small I am in the world. Not not small as like in a, sh- in a mm-hmm. shame sense, but small in a sense of like, the waves are still crashing and the moon mm-hmm. is still rising and the sun is still setting. You know, for, for me, that mm-hmm. feels kind of awe-inspiring. Yeah. Um, I mean, this sounds like super Christianese cheesy, but to get out in God's creation mm-hmm. for me is everything. It's the reset button. Mm-hmm. I agree. Like that is... That's something like living in Atlanta, I don't do near enough. I need to get out of the city and just be alone in nature because it is the remind, like if we can, whenever I can be alone in nature, it's to remind myself like, not just that like, there's so much more than just me, but also I am a part of every single part of this. Yes, yes. It's like, oh my God, God, like you, like you put me... You gave me, like, I, I get weirded, like, I get, like, when I think about the just consciousness in general, and I'm like, it is insane to me that 
apparently all of this just works. Yes. Like, are you telling, like, I look at a tree and I'm like, you're telling me that that thing can turn light into food for itself? Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. Or just like, you're telling me that like, I can put like things in my body and that turns it into energy so that I just can function. Right. Or that like your gray matter is, you know, here, like, you know, picking up all of these sounds coming from my mouth and translating into language. That's wild. Yeah. It's wild and it's awesome. Mm-hmm. And it makes me so happy because it's just like, it allow, It reminds me, I'm just like, oh, I don't need to be powerful. I don't yes. need to be anything more than just right here. Yes. Be in my body, like, be like the tree. It's just here. Yes. Just being a tree. Yep. Mm. You ready? Girl, let's just start. Hey, y'all. We'll just let you know we're going to start our new Zoom church. <laughs> launching right. next week. It's called... Um, <laughs> It's called um, Revolutionary Minivan Ministries. Okay, I mean that's that's edgy enough, I guess. Oh my god! Don't don't get don't gas me up like this is a bad idea, and we both know it. <laughs> you I don't you do know there's a section in my book where I discuss the required names for ministries in modern churches <gasps> that we can't oh call anything god. by a normal name. It has to be like elevate or mm-hmm. yeah yeah it it can't be just. Uh, youth, you know, hey, we're going to have youth group tonight. It's going to be, uh, we had Revolution Student Ministries. Yeah. And then she's like, can't like, hey, we're having a worship concert tonight. It's like, we're going to call it the Uprising. I'm like, what? It's not a 12-step group. It's the Refuge. It's not (sighs) mops. It's nurture. It's like, nothing can just be what it is. Yeah, it can't just be the sexual addiction support group. It has to be called the (laughs) Men's Rescue. <laughs> and like every it was man's like, battle. Oh my god. Remember Let me that? tell you what. Those Oh yeah, every man's battle, every young woman's battle, oh, like yeah. cap- captivated. Oh boy. Or no, uh wild at heart. That was wild for me, at heart. I'm a man and I have to read books for men. Let me tell you a story about wild at heart. Oh, you know, I used I'm to ready. be a therapist and um I was a therapist while that book came out. Let me tell you how many clients came to me who read that book and decided their whole life was terrible. They're an accountant and they were made for more and they need to be a warrior and they're going to quit their job because like it was, it just made every single man feel like they were not valiant enough because they made Mm -hmm. widgets instead of being a poet. I mean, it's just like, just made everyone dissatisfied. Like someone has to make the sausage and there's there's value in that. Yeah. It, We're not all going to be warriors or whatever. Yeah. And I think that's also something like that kind of plays very interestingly into like, you know, bringing it full circle and talking about our present moment we're living in. Is that like, you know, the I've had so many conversations this week with um, especially other white folks saying like, what is mine to do right now? Yeah. How do I learn? How do I educate myself? And I think it comes back down to like, recognizing everyone thinks like I got to be the best advocate right now. I got to be activist. Number one, I got to jump in there and it's like, sure. Yeah. We want you to be that excited. And also recognize that like, if you're a mom of kids and you don't like, and you can't get arrested, then maybe it's a good idea. If you like, if you go to the protest, don't be on the front line. Yeah. You know, or like if you are somebody who's new to this thing, mm-hmm. posting something as little as Black Lives Matter on your Facebook page so your grandma can get mad at you and then yep. you can discuss it with her. Sometimes that's the that's the first thing. Oh, yeah. Um, But like to tell you what, like lives like mine, I'd like especially like your advocacy is going to look different from another person's and also doesn't mean that you don't have to not start it. Yes. You know, we all have a part to play, even if it's itty bitty. Yeah. And, and also to know that you're going to bungle it. Like you, you are going to bungle it. When you move into mm-hmm. advocacy, you will make mistakes and you know, we'll all live because I, I mean, I just think there are a lot of people out there who are more scared of being called out mm-hmm. than they are scared of black lives being lost. Mm-hmm. And on the converse, there's there's more Christians scared of being, you know, outed, so to speak, for coming out as LGBT affirming than there are Christians who think 
wow, <laughs> how much worse is it? You know, like, like I'm scared to be an advocate for something that like I'm not even living in and I can't walk through that to make sure that mm-hmm. the people who are living in that, I don't know, there's just so much, there's just a lot of selfishness in that lack mm-hmm. of advocacy, like a lot of comfort and yeah. comfort at the expense of, of the people who are living it. Yeah. And that's the thing is there is, I, 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 for a while I had a lot of like inboxes from pastors and I'm sure like you get this too, of just like, how do I, you know, how do I do the right thing without having to do the hard thing? And it's just like, yeah. Ganser, you cannot. You got to do both. Because, yeah. oh, let me tell you what, I was reading in Luke the other day because I'm a good Christian woman, right? But I was reading in the book of Luke, chapter 14, and Jesus said unto them, I tell you the truth, unless you hate your father and mother, you can't follow me. Unless you're willing to take up your cross, you cannot follow me. And all I get from that is like, it's a very extreme thing to say you have to hate your father and mother. But then I was thinking, I'm just like, what if your father and mother are like white supremacy and capitalism? You know, mm. what if it's, it's you know, we can look at it in a metaphorical way of just like, you know, what are the, what are the things that we have honored yes. that are not honorable yes. anymore? And so Jesus is saying, listen, just like yeah. the system you come from, unless you like, it's one of the, it's like, it's like, I, I don't want to ever hate my father or mother, but just like, if I can learn, it's like, I don't hate the person. I hate the system. You know, I hate the thing that is destroying people. And also like the thing that blinds other people to the fact that they're doing it to other people. And so like, there's a part of me that has, uh, that, you know, that human to human compassion. And at the same time is calling people to more. Don't get me started. Are you, I feel like you're preaching right now. Are you preaching right now, Kevin? It happens. (laughs) All right. We're uh, running short on time and I don't want to keep you beyond uh, our time. So if you wouldn't mind, uh, Rage Against the Minivan, your new book is coming out on June 9th. Yeah. Tell folks where they can get it and pre-order it and just where people can find you on the internet. Well, you can get the book anywhere books are sold, you know, um, if you are a capitalist at Amazon. No, I'm just kidding. Um, You know, it's at Amazon. But I will say, if you wanted to buy it from indie bookseller, you can go to christianhowerton.com, click on the book link, and it will take you to um, some links that include some indie booksellers. And then I'm online everywhere at Kristen Howerton. Mm. Love it. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for sharing your gifts. And Kevin, this it was is a delightful. sincerely always a pleasure to talk to you. That was my conversation with the incredible, lovely, and just delightful Kristen Howerton. You can pick up her book, Rage Against the Minivan, on her website, kristenhowerton.com. Like she said, there's a bunch of ways to get it from indie booksellers, and let's do that rather than feeding the beast. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and connect with her across social media at Kristen Howerton and at kristenhowerton.com. Kristen, I love you. Thank you for your patience with me getting this out. I'm so sorry it took so long. Uh, you know whatever life goes on you're beautiful and wonderful i can't wait till we can sing beer and hymns again god for real you know anyways uh let's go ahead and you know finish up with some announcements i forgot to tell people on the front end of this i just launched a new merch store m-e-c-h m-e-r-c-h merch every time i try to spell merch in my phone it spells it m-u-r-c-h which is gross um, but Bad Theology Kills crewnecks, t-shirts, they got a little facelift. We updated the font. It looks really cute. It's a bold message that you can wear home for the holidays. Just kidding. You're not going home for the holidays, but on your Zoom holiday calls to your family. You know? Or not. Maybe you can wear it for yourself. Either way, it's a great gift idea for yourself or somebody you love. So head on over to thekevingarcia.com slash merch and get your due date. Uh, um... Also, pick up my book, Bad Theology Kills, available at badtheologykills.com. It's a lot of fun, and I'm really proud of it. We're currently working on redoing the audiobook so we can get that thing on Audible before Christmas. Hopefully, in Jesus' name. <sighs> Pray for me, saints. 
Um, I think that's everything for, for now, for today. I, uh, I had a lot of fun talking with you, Kristen, and I had a lot of fun talking with everybody who's listening through the ear hole. So let's talk about the last thing, the thing we talk about every single week, and that is how to support the show. If you like A Tiny Revolution, and if you like anything else on the internet that I'm putting out there from the Instagrams, which is basically like a blog and a place I do my theology work, to be honest. If you like that, if you like um, Twitter, if you are somebody who has ever benefited from the work, I would really, really appreciate it if you would become a sustaining partner on Patreon, because seriously, just as little as five bucks a month really does begin to change the game in big ways for folks like me. Seriously, if you could uh, check it out, like every single Monday, and sometimes Tuesday and sometimes Wednesday, just depending, but at least once a week, there's a video call. I'm calling it the, the, I call it the Monday Morning Miracle Club, but it's like Monday Morning Miracle Club on maybe Tuesday afternoon, sometimes, because sometimes it'd be like that. But every single Monday, I discuss like what I'm learning and I lead everyone through a little group meditation so that you can start off your week right. And that's just one of the many perks we have at, uh, on Patreon. So go over to patreon.com and join the 125 people who are making this work more possible. Again, that's patreon.com slash the Kevin Garcia. And if you wouldn't mind also, if you can't, you know, throw me a bone, throw me some stars. Re- review and rate on Apple Podcasts because it really does help us out. And... Uh, the other part is, if you wouldn't mind, share this episode on your social media. Share a quote from the episode that really inspired you. Um, tag me and tag Kristen and, you know, maybe do a little screen cap video and share that on social media because it really is through word of mouth that uh, the show gets around. So that's all I've got for you this week. This has been another episode of A Tiny Revolution. So until next time, please make sure to take your meds, call your person, move your body, eat something delicious, make sure you're resting when you need to. And I don't know, maybe um, try a new yoga pose out. Maybe you've been doing the same old cat cow, warrior one, warrior two bit. You know, try something a little crazy, like lizard, half pigeon. I don't know. Get on the internet and find something. I love you so much. Make sure you're doing well and make sure you are donating to the stuff in Georgia so we can flip the Senate in January. I love you. Thank you. Bye.